because it doesn't matter how much you do and how much you earn it's never never enough and i feel like that that is definitely like a dagger into your mental health uh, but also your self-esteem you know because it's like i've worked so much but that person has more than me and i feel like the solution for me has always been like to be happy where you are and also cherish on other people's successes i know that i will never be like steve jobs and i'm happy to not being there but just to say an example of like a very successful entrepreneur i don't want to work myself to the ground to have a shot at being there i mean if i'm happy eating like a couple of pizzas a week and living in a city or like being mobile and like i'm going to live in new york for a couple of months and then i go back to la and then i go to san francisco so if that's the life that i want and i can have it that's it it's enough it's enough for me hi my name is Emily Chadbourne and welcome to Behind the Change, a podcast to inspire hope. Because, let's be honest, sometimes it feels like the whole world has gone to shit. But here at Behind the Change, we speak to amazing humans who are doing really great things to make this world a better place. We find out what drives their leadership, what beliefs hold them firm in turbulent times, and what it really takes to grow their businesses and organizations to create even more impact. If you'd like to support our guests and little old me, then please share the episodes that you love. Rate and review because it really does help more people find us. And you can head to the show notes to join Behind the Scenes, a membership where you get bonus podcast episodes from me, exclusive access to a minicast from every single guest, and heaps of other bonus content too. It's only $7 a month, and it goes a really long way to supporting this podcast and the guests that we are honoured enough to speak to. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to another episode of the... Oh no, hang on. <laughs> I just forgot the name of my own podcast then. It's Behind the Change. But the reason I got a bit kerfuddled was because in my head I was thinking about the Happy Broadcast, which is the Instagram account of today's guest. And if you don't follow the Happy Broadcast, immediately pick up your phone, go into Instagram and give it a follow. It is the place where good news reigns. Um, beautifully illustrated, phenomenal good news stories to improve your mental health, reignite hope remind you that there are really good people doing really good things on this planet it is my go-to for happy news so Mauro Gatti and I'm sure I've completely butchered his name with my British accent is originally from Italy now lives and works in LA with more than 20 years of creative experience he has worked for a lot of cool companies making really cool projects he loves to draw he loves to cook obviously he eats pizza and he loves to promote awareness about mental health Maro also has a great passion for making kids content. He's an author of children's books and he believes that they are the most honest, enthusiastic audience you can ever have. He was awarded an Emmy for his work on Storybots, which is a kids show on Netflix, but his biggest accomplishment is mastering the 72-hour pizza dough. He also curates his Instagram page, The Happy Broadcast, which I have just spoken about, and it is really a space where people can find positive news and discuss mental health issues openly. I bloody loved having this conversation, and I'm pretty sure you're going to love listening to it. So enjoy. 
Maro, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. I said to you earlier, I have just been stalking your personal Instagram page and frothing over your illustrations. You are a creative genius. Tell me a little bit about how you started working in the creative world. Tell me about your illustrations. How did that come about? Were you just always a doodler? Thank you for having me. First uh, and foremost, I uh, appreciate uh, being here. Also, thank you for the genius that I, I, it's very flattering. I don't think I'm a genius, but I'm a creative person that, that I can say, you know, like, and I feel like that, you know, it's like, I didn't choose the job, you know, the job chose me. I've always been like uh, creative, you know, as a, as a kid, I feel like that I've always loved drawing and I, I went about in life uh, without any sort of like education in creativity. As a matter of fact, I, in high school, I studied like Latin and so forth. So I had a very classical education where like, I was even punished for like doodling on my textbooks in, in, <laughs> in class. But I feel like that at some point it was like, um, I don't think you can contain creativity. And even if it doesn't become your job, it's just something that comes natural to you. And for a series of like, events very fortunate events i found myself to you know start working into these like amazing yet you know challenging world of like creativity i mean it all started with like drawing which again you know like drawing is still my passion but it never was my career you know just to be clear you know i admire all the folks and friends that decided to be brave uh, and make the career of like a, an illustrator. I've never been as brave as that because, you know, like I'm also on the side, uh, very passionate about technology and creativity. So at some point in my career, I decided, okay, that's my job, you know, and I will draw as a passion and as a sort of like side job. So Freelance commissions, great. I love it. But I wanted that paycheck, you know, <laughs> that steady paycheck every month to just be in a good, you know, headspace, you know, because once again, one of the lessons that I've learned is that because everyone is doing something, which is like freelancing and being an artist, uh, not everyone is like comfortable in doing that because some people like me, they want a more like steady sort, uh, you know, of career and then like, having that like like I said that like very balanced headspace where I can just draw without the pressure of like drawing for clients you know like deadlines and so forth so that's really interesting so you're you allowed your passion to stay as your passion yeah 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 yeah, yeah. that's a that's a good way to say I feel like that that passion bleeds also in the other you know part of my career because yeah. you know creativity in my passion space is like you know, visualize uh, in terms of like a drawing, but creativity in other areas, uh, materialize in, in, in other sort of like, you know, forms, but it all stems from the same, you know, sort of like direction. So that mental talent that creative people have of like having ideas and find ways to, you know, turn them into a drawing, a digital product, a, a commercial, a whatever. Mm. You mentioned earlier that you admire the bravery of people who go out and just like make their creative passion their full-time job. Do you not consider yourself to be a brave person? 
I mean, if you're talking about, I'm brave on like many other fronts for sure, but like on that specific front, uh, I feel like that I've chosen the, the safe path, you know, of like, and not that, you know, like I've also had a long chapter in my career where I was very brave because I created like an advertising agency and for like 12 years, uh, you know, it was like, you know, when you have an agency and you, and you have like, I don't know, at some point it was like close to 40 people, you know, working in my agency, you have the responsibility of the livelihood of, of a lot of people. But again, I felt like at the end of that experience that my mental health was like at the, you know, at the lowest level it, it has always been because creativity itself is not enough, at least in my case, to make you happy. There must be other condition. And so I decided that like, you know, I'm happy to support uh, a friend uh, with some illustrations or like even do freelancing gig like on the side. But I just want like a more like comfortable job where I know that like no matter what I have my and I live in the US. So you need like healthcare. you know, there are like a lot of things that have (laughs) to align in order to make you live a comfortable life. So that's why I say that like I admire and respect like immensely like the people that have decided to get into this game of like, you know, I'm working this week and then, you know, I don't know if I'm working next week, you know, Mm. and like, it's fascinating to me. And it's something that I always encourage in people uh, because if you can, and if you're like wired to do that, uh, I feel like it's the best way. Mm. Talk to me a little bit about mental health. So you said that by the time that your advertising agency kind of, came to a conclusion or closed you or or you sold it I'm not sure what path you chose to take with that your mental health was felt like it was at the bottom of your priority list so what was that like what lessons did you learn there yeah I was lucky enough to sell it so that definitely bumped up a little bit my mental health okay okay at least uh, I have the money to pay for my hospitalization (laughs) Uh, but well it's the security uh, isn't it it's the f- money money creates a feeling of yeah, security in us yeah, and i think I for mean, a, a lot of people that's really important and everyone has a different calibration point around where their level of yeah, security is yeah. Mm. yeah and um again i'm not obsessed uh, you know my my dad always is mad with me because it's like you should care more about money and i'm like you know money to me is like a something that i need to feel secure it's not something that i crave in terms of like I live off like a bag of clothes, you know, like I'm not like a big spender or, but I just like the idea of like being, you know, comfortable. But when you're like a creative person, I feel like that it, it feels very cheesy, but you, you just want to create. That's the goal. You have an idea, you want to make it. And then once it becomes like a structure, you know, once it becomes like a, the business of creativity, at that point, you have like, a lot of like other elements that comes into play because you have clients and clients mean that you have to establish, you know, relationships and maybe you have to pitch your idea and the idea fails. And then if the idea wins, you have to build a team to like build this idea, to turn the idea into a product. And then, then you need like accounts to manage the client. And then you need like someone to manage the finances and then the taxes, the liabilities, the, so 
you know, and there is, again, I have fond memories of that period, but I just felt like that I was like almost suffocating at some point, you know, it was just like, at some point I wasn't even being creative. I was like sort of like managing creative, but I was like stressed. And so my direction. So again, I, I feel like that, and I always say it, that the narrative surrounding like entrepreneurs is always like stress is good. You have to be super stressed and you don't have to, you have to work during weekends. You have to basically work yourself to the ground to be successful because these and that person made it this way. Mm. And I think it's a false, you know, narrative because it might work for someone, but it might not work for you. And like this aspirational model of like happiness, which is like, they're happy. Therefore, if you follow exactly what they did, you will be happy. I think it's false because we're all different, you know, not just from a DNA standpoint, you know, like, but our personalities, the way we were raised, uh, you know, we're all different. So for me, those like grinding uh, was okay in the beginning because I was like, it seems that that's the way to succeed. But I got to a point where I was like, I want to grind all the time. And I'm a workaholic, but I'm a workaholic because I want to be, not because it's necessary that I spend every night in the office. And so when I realized that, uh, I told to my business partner, like, I'm done, you know, like I, I can't. And that's when we decided to sell. So, and I was lucky enough, you know, the serendipity of like all these events coming together was like perfect, but I guess I learned like a valuable lesson. And in the year past that adventure, I had other opportunities to, you know, like go into a more entrepreneurial mode and the happy broadcast is a little bit that I was like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable in this like stage of my career. You know, I just want to work for a company, you mm. know, like, and, and, and that's it. And I think something you touched on there, which is so important, which I don't know if people give enough kind of space to ruminate on is that happiness is so subjective and I think you're right we exist in the hustle culture and there is a lot of you know I guess that quite masculine entrepreneurial energy in the world at the moment which is like if you want to make a million dollars you've got to put in the hours and absolutely yeah. I, I agree that you need to commit to your business you need to show up for the thing that you are passionate about but making a million dollars doesn't actually make you very happy. You know, other elements need to be in place. Other areas of fulfillment need to be happening in order for that million dollars to give you the experience that you want to have. And if you're someone like you've just mentioned yourself, you live on a bag of clothes. What are you going to do with a million dollars? Like, It's nice to have for security purposes, but really, if it's not yeah. where your highest value is lying, then all you're doing is exhausting yourself so that somebody else can see that you are, and I'm using my fingers to do inverted air quotes, a success. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, and, and again, you know, I always say, like, I always quote this, like, sort of, like, aspirational society, because it seems that, you know, it doesn't matter how much you have, you need more. Mm. And that's, I feel like, that the the marketing trick that the consumeristic society has created and like i mean i'm very guilty of like falling into these traps when it comes to technology and electronics i'm like okay <laughs> i'm gonna buy it you know like i don't need it but i want it but again i i feel like i just pick and choose my vices you know like i'm not 
falling for everything, but I just decide uh, I care about these. And also that's part of my job. So, you know, I cannot work in the virtual reality space if I don't know virtual reality. So for instance, so I need to buy like a, a headset and so forth. But I guess that that's the mentality that, you know, you see also here in the US on steroids where like, if you have a house with like two bedrooms, you're like, nah, I mean, it's too small. And I'm like, dude, I mean, in Europe, a house with two bedrooms is like, it's a house, <laughs> you know, it's like a palace done, where, where I know? live. Yeah. 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 So, but here you have a house with two bedrooms and it's like, oh no, no, you need a third or a four bedroom. And you know, you need like one of the things that we'll never understand. It's like the, the crazy amount of bathroom in, in like homes. It's like, <laughs> you know, oh my like, gosh. I have the same thing. It's like four bedrooms, seven bathrooms. I'm like, how yes. many? Well, I don't get it. That math doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I don't know. You can choose like, again, yeah, you can choose a bathroom for each day of the week. You know, yeah. that's the Monday bathroom. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I feel like that that's a trap, you know, that definitely affects people's mental health because it doesn't matter how much you do and how much you earn. It's never, never enough. And I feel like that that is definitely like a dagger into you know your mental health uh, but also your self-esteem you know because it's like I've worked so much but that person has more than me and I feel like the solution for me has always been like to be happy where you are and also cherish on other people's successes I know that I will never be like Steve Jobs and I'm happy to not being there but just to say an example of like a very successful you know entrepreneur I mean, I don't, I don't want to work myself to the ground to have a shot at being there. I mean, if I'm happy with, again, you know, eating like a couple of pizzas a week and, uh, you know, like living in a city or like being mobile and like, you know, I'm going to, you know, live in New York for a couple of months and then I go back to LA and then I go to San Francisco. So if that's the life that I want and I can have it, that's it. It's enough for me. Mm. There's something about that level of simplicity that has become so alluring to me the older I get and the more I check in with myself about what I want my business to do, how I want my business to help. And I think an important component of happiness is contribution. I have definitely myself been lost along the way sometimes around how I'm actually contributing and that, and that took me off into that pathway of like I've got to make more money and I've got to make more sales and I've got to have people see that I'm really successful and over the last year or so I've really pulled back on that and been like none of that matters like none of that is important like how am I helping people how am I showing up how am I changing the world how can I enter the conversation with people who are also doing really great things for the planet on which we live and the people which we live side by side with. How do you feel like you contribute to the world? And I feel like we might be nudging onto the happiness pro uh, to the happy project here. I feel like that's a that's a great question in terms of like like what's the meaning of life, mm. you know? And I feel like that for as much as the meaning of life is a very subjective like topic, uh, one key ingredient, you know, for me is like kindness. And kindness is like can have like a million of different interpretations or you know ways to be expressed but give back is also one of the main ways you can show kindness you know and I know that the give back is charity there are like a lot of things to a lot of ways to give back but it can also be your time you know it doesn't have to be money if you don't have money you can invest some of your time 
there are like a lot of things that you can do with your time as it's like a very valuable asset, especially in a society where like, it seems that no one has like any time to spare. So for me specifically, and this is not like the place to make like a, a list of like, oh, I've donated to this cause and that cause <laughs> yeah. right? because it's a little tacky. But if we want to segue into the happiness project, it was like, what is your talent? And when I asked myself the question is like, I'm a creative person, you know, and if I look at the years, you know, past years of my career, I see just working for like big names, you know, the MTVs, the Disney, the Nikes and so forth. Uh, and at some point I was like, maybe I helped uh, selling more shoes, but is that what creativity means? And yes, if you talk to like, you know, marketers, they're like, absolutely. You know, marketing is exactly, you know, like the result of a great campaign of a great product that combined together will result into massive sales, massive growth. And while I do not discourage that because I'm still working, you know, in many businesses where the goal is like to bring more users in. And when a user is in, it will spend more money. I thought I want to do something with my creativity that is going to help and support people like to, in the specific case of the happy broadcast, you know, be more educated and maybe be more kind and do more. And so, yeah, that was like the, I would say the reason why I started, even though in the beginning, there was like a little bit of a selfish, you know, motivation of like, I also need to support my mental health, my own personal mental health, you know, with like good news because I'm bombarded by, by terrible news. So that's how I came across the happy broadcast. I was actively looking to flood my news feed with good news. And honestly, it brings me so much joy. Every, to every post I read, I'm like, oh, thank God. It's just, I, do you know what it is? It's the feeling of hope. Yeah. And I was listening to a podcast with Jane Goodall a few months ago, and she was talking about how hope is the most important thing because without hope, we're not going to take any action. Without hope, we're completely paralyzed. And hope is the thing that galvanizes people into change. And it really resonated with me. And, and then I found the happy broadcast and I was like, yes, this is the hope that I need on a daily basis. These little nuggets of hope of like people are really doing good things and people are, you know, there is yeah. all of this potential and, and we can turn it around and things are changing because on a day to day basis, you know, I don't watch mainstream news media because it just depresses the crap out of me and, and I do I feel really yeah kind of just depleted and like there is no hope and that doesn't help me help other people I yeah I I, I mean I do agree I mean you know like to look at the at the bright side of things it's very hard in this like age of like you know endless notification news alerts where the majority of them is like negative and like there is a thing that is called like negative bias. You know, we all seek out information because information help us decide on, you know, like that's a normal thing. That's why we read newspapers, you know, like it forms our opinion. It let us know what's happening in the world, what we want to do. Unfortunately, the majority of the news that we read uh, is like negative these days. And the negative bias is that like human trigger where we're more motivated to pay attention to the negative news uh, and remember them for, you know, longer because there is a direct link to our survival. You know, if something is dangerous, I have to pay attention and I have to avoid it. 
and there's nothing bad in it. But the point is that, again, fear comes with its own set of like a paralysis, you know, like I'm so fearful that all I want is to stay in my corner and do nothing, you know, like, and the do nothing is, you know, that the world uh, is slowly moving towards a specific, I don't know, like, I know that like when you read the, the magazine, it's like, oh, climate change, the world will end into like two years, three years, four years, whatever. But that's to me, it falls again into this like sort of mentality of like, it's too late. It's too late for doing something. And so I'm doing nothing. And I agree with like Jane Goodall and, and, and like, and that's the incipit and the main concept of the happy broadcast is that with education comes action. You know, like once you understand how to solve a problem, even like with a little contribution, because we at the, at the happy broadcast, we really believe that like, even the small act of kindness towards like your neighbors, the environment, you know, society, you know, like minorities will in turn benefit all because it's the power of one, you know, like you do something plus the other person, plus the other person. And then at the end, it's going to help. And I know, I know very well that whenever I say that, like, we should do something, people say, but it's the corporations and like, they don't do anything. There is no laws and but to me it also goes back to the point of like we need laws in place and democracy is exactly the power of one if all people vote to change something you know that something will change but if you don't vote because you're too scared you're too disgusted you know again the people that will vote are the one that wants to push a specific agenda so and i'm not saying to vote like these on that person that's like a personal choice but what i'm saying is that like it all comes down to like be informed, do something, and then like contribute to change. And that will like, it's guaranteed because it's scientifically guaranteed that kindness makes us like happier, more fulfilled. It takes a, a moment to get there. It takes a moment to like realize that like the way we feel it's caused by this problem, that problem, you know, and identify and act on them. Like if you feel you're crushed by like climate change, start to like break climate change down in like little tiers and there is like plastic pollution and so forth. And if plastic pollution is something that you can act on, just act on, you know, you can put a, put a plastic bottle in the right bin and then you can advocate and lobby for change, you know, at a higher, you know, corporate level and you can boycott products, you can push companies. And if we look at society like 10, 15 years ago and today, there has been already like a huge shift because I know that people tend to say like, oh, it's everything is the same and nothing has changed. But I, I disagree because a lot has changed. And why that a lot has changed? Because like consumers push a lot of brands to, you know, get rid of things that were too polluting or too dangerous for the environment and like it's a process you know like it is like a structure that has consumerism that has been built for the past century it's not something that we're gonna change overnight but the consumers they hold a, a tremendous power if you don't buy a product the company will go belly up so it's not easy yeah I mean I, I feel like I just like took uh, <laughs> no I loved every second of it absolutely I, I can agree with you more what has been your biggest lesson in creating, developing, and promoting the Happy Broadcast? 
I feel like that there are like multiple, you know, there are like multiple lessons. And one of the biggest lessons for me specifically is to, you know, invest time into talking to people because the social media nowadays is like a sort of like um, town square on steroids, you know? <laughs> so like everyone comes in and like they have their opinions and they don't think for a second at the, you know, consequences of like saying something, you know, to, to someone and like, it can be offensive or it can be totally, you know, far from reality, totally biased and, and so forth. Uh, and so I wasn't prepared for that. You know, I came into social media with a very naive, uh, you know, point of view, which is like, here's the good news. And I was thinking like, well, everyone will say this is a good news, <laughs> but it wasn't like that. Everything that they post, uh, and I just want to say that again, you know, like, you know, there are like a lot of pages that they post uh, feel good stories, inspirational stories of kindness, which are awesome. And I'm a, I'm a follower, but they don't push any sort of like important topic, in my opinion, yeah. you know, like things like, you know, women's rights and, 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 and climate change and animal rights, because those are very divisive. You know, you have a part of the population that thinks that animals should have no rights and a part that fights for the rights to the point of being like vegan and so forth. And women's rights is the same thing, you know, like I, I advocate for like equality, but there are like some people that think that like, absolutely not, there should be no equality. And so I wasn't prepared to this sort of like inflamed uh, communication. And I had to learn, I had to learn on how to deal with these. And that like the, the, the answer was not like blocking and kicking out people and creating a sort of like eco chamber where like, oh, I'm just talking to the people that thinks the same as me. As much as I can think that I am right at one inequality, but like kicking someone out will just ostracize this person anymore. So I try to like have conversations. And even if I, at the end I get like a couple of insults and so forth, uh, it's fine because if I can convince one person to change their mind about something or not even change their mind, because I feel like change their mind, it's probably too much, but like just instill a doubt, you know, in their mind to just do more research or like think a little bit outside of the box they've been in. That to me is like the main goal and the biggest accomplishment and the main, you know, lesson that I've learned. Oh my God, there's so much in there I want to talk to. I'm a huge believer that like change is messy and asking people to make these huge cultural shifts, whether that be with equality, whether that be with the way that we consume, you know, because these are huge, big, massive cultural shifts that we're asking of humanity in order for the world to become a better, safer, happier place for everybody. And that conversation is us standing in this, I call it the grey space. So you've got on one side someone who, you know, like you say, the vegan, and then on the other side, you've got, oh, I'm, I eat five steaks a week, and I go hunting at the weekend, and I should be able to do that. But then in the middle, there is this whole bit of gray space where debate has to happen, and kindness has to happen, and listening has to happen. And it can't be accusatory, and it can't be, it can't be about trying to get one side onto the other side. Because so much change can happen in that grey space. You can have people with completely different opinions and change can still happen in the, in the grey space. 
And so I love what you have just said there, which is just like, it's not about blocking people because the moment you block people, you push them more to their extreme, right? And I think this is why we've seen so much extremity in the world of social media recently is because it's become this, this like cockfighting ring where it's like, we're going to peck each other to the death. And all that does is it, it pushes people to the very extremes of their beliefs instead of creating a safe space in the middle where we can talk about our beliefs and we can start thinking, I mean, I've definitely had some belief systems that have been, I guess, challenged and some a huge amount of internalized bias that I have had to be very compassionate with myself about as I have explored that in these sorts of gray spaces. And so I love what you have just said there because I think, you know, change isn't going to happen in the extremities. Change happens in those conversations of kindness and compassion and understanding that the world is made up of very, very different people with very, very different views and very, very different backgrounds. Do you ever take yeah. it personally? Or you know, a better question would probably be like, how do you not take it personally? You know, I'm not a very sensitive person when it comes to social media. You mm. know, I'm Keith, which is like the the person that I met at some point of the happy broadcast and we decided to continue together and he's helped me a lot in like turning this sort of idea into something more like robust but he's always like telling me like I don't know how you do it you know like how don't know how you don't you know explode or how this like sort of like vitriol doesn't make your spoil your mood you know like but I'm very good at compartmentalize, uh, that's the word. Uh, and uh, I think a while ago, I started to judge people, you know, like, I feel like that we we are all born with the sense of like, inherit, like bias towards people or other cultures. And we're very protective, because again, it stems from like, ignorance, you know, like, I don't know the culture, hence, I think that they're like, different and dangerous and so forth and religion. And but a while ago, I stopped you know, many years ago, I stopped and I was like, that's not right, because maybe someone is racist, because they just grew up. And that's all they know, you know, like, so just because maybe I've seen more of the world, and I had more education, you know, I had more opportunities to like, learn. It doesn't mean that I just have to point the finger and say, Oh, you were racist, and you don't know this, and you don't know that I can tell them that what they said was racist, you know, and that's not nice. But I cannot, like, assume that they're like the the worst people in the world because in order to do that because there might be people that are like evil and Mm -hmm. you know so i'm not saying that everyone is like innocent but i'm saying that a lot of the people that i've known just by talking to them and understanding that the you know ecosystem you know they they grew up in it was like all they knew so they just like reflected basically what they learned so I feel like that once you start to make that like mental shift, uh, you are more inclined uh, instead of like cussing to the other person and blocking the other person to just say, hey, why don't you read this? Or why don't you see that? And they might do the same with you. And it's fine. You know, like I, I, I think I've seen like a lot of like terrible videos and, doc- and, and documentaries that were shared with me to see like, hey, see why I have this point of view. But I was countering and it's like, hey, I don't think that that like, you know, that's very biased. That's not real and, and so forth. And it doesn't mean that the person will change their mind, but 
It just means that if you counter with more information, it's better than just like pointing fingers and tell someone that they're like a bad person. Mm. Yeah. I mean, because no one is one story, right? And we yeah, compartmentalize and, and, people, don't we? We say, well, if you're racist, you must be bad. And I, yeah. I heard this thing the other day, it really struck with me. And this is the problem with people not going into that space of self-reflection is because we say things like racism is bad. And then I think to myself, well, I'm not bad, so I can't be racist. And then I, I don't have the opportunity then to examine internalized bias which might not be overtly racist, but there are uh, naturally because we are all these. We would we are an, we are a product of our experience, and we are a product of our religion and our culture, and you know the things that have happened to us and the stories that we've been told. And so it's yeah, really important I mean, to remember that. Absolutely, I mean, like I'm a white person. I grew up in a small town in Europe where everyone, you know, is still white. I mean, like there is like a little bit of immigration. So growing up, uh, you know, all I knew were like you know white faces and white Christian culture and all of that. So if I didn't have the opportunity to just like travel and see more and learn more, maybe I will be one of these folks that right now voted for like the right wing party in Italy mm. because I was like, I want to defend my culture because that's all I know, you know, like, so it comes down to on one side, of course, social media do a better job at identifying false information because yeah. that's very important. But also on the other side, it's not to use our privileges. Like I'm more enlightened than you. You know, so I know more than you and you're like a peasant, you're ignorant, you know, you don't matter. Mm. But it's the opposite. It's like use our privilege to help people to be have better access to, you know, information, you know, have better access to like different, you know, cultures and, you know, like uh, create a, 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 a world again where like we're not scared anymore of like what we consider different because we're all the same. Mm. I mean, like. The yeah. genetic structure that we're made of, it's like pretty much the same. So colorful world is like the best world. Like, and for as much as the United States uh, has a lot of like contradiction, you know, when I walk in the streets here, it's like the most beautiful thing because you see like all sorts of cultures, you know, like walking together and it's a great thing to witness. Again, if, and if you dig a little bit more, of course, you see that inequality and like a lot of issues, but like, on the surface, at least, uh, you know, it's a beautiful thing that I wish we could see everywhere, you mm. know, in the world. Yeah. Oh, my God, I could talk to you forever, but I'm very aware of time. So I'm just going to ask you one last question. And it is this. Who else should I speak to on this podcast about the world of change? Who would you recommend I contact next? I mean, I wish I had more time to prepare like a good list of names, but well, you you have my email. You feel free to send me that list whenever. Oh no, yeah, yeah. To. I will definitely, I will definitely send you because I'm thinking about people that do a similar thing as the Happy Broadcast. You know, mm. that could be, could be like you know interesting. But I'm also thinking to, like you said, like the John, the, the Django doll, and like that kind of like. Mm. And I don't think that I mean it's it's gonna be an easy thing to just like email Jane and say hey. You uh, know, do you know I've friends. already done it. <laughs> I'm not expecting a response, but <laughs> yeah, come on my podcast. But I will definitely send you you know some name. Beautiful. I mean, like the, the social media again is a fascinating base because 
it gives you direct access to like a lot of people that in pre-social media time Absolutely. they would have been like impossible to contact so but yeah i will definitely put together like a list thank you, you know, so much and, i really and appreciate share, it and share it with you like organized by maybe like topics but oh my god you're, um, you I, I love the way that your brain works it's so opposite to me i'd have like written some names on a scrap of napkin and taken a picture of the napkin and sent it to you but i love that you're going to uh structure and organize the list for me <laughs> but i would again thinking about it i mean if it was me i would probably talk to some like because that's to me the most fascinating thing like to talk to some like ceos of like these companies like for ocean that are doing like amazing things for for the planet mm. you know? like because that's like you know an ethical approach to business that you can still make money but like you have like a, an incredibly you know powerful and meaningful mission so yeah again that's I'm saying if I had my podcast, that's that's what I would do. But <laughs> I would listen know. to your podcast, I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> I, I doubt I doubt people want to hear like these uh Italian American accent. No, like I've loved it. Are you hour. joking? I'm completely <laughs> in. That's awesome. Yeah. Mario, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it so very much. You've been an absolute legend. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, good luck with the podcast and everything. Thank you. I love it. Oh, my loves. How beautiful is that accent? How gorgeous is that man? I loved that conversation. I just, the reminder that I have to come back to time and time and time again. My definition of success is my own. And I cannot chase anybody else's definition of success. I will hold that message all day today following that interview now if you'd like to hear more from Maro, then please jump in behind the scenes if you're not a member of behind the scenes yet you can join instantly uh, just head to the show notes the link is there it's only seven dollars a month and it goes a really long way to supporting me making this podcast but also the support that i give our amazing guests um, Maro and I behind the scenes talked about some really cool stuff. We talked a lot about failure, failures in relationships, failures in business, what we learn about the importance of really knowing ourselves truly and deeply. So go ahead, give it a listen, let me know what you think. Make sure that you are following the Happy Broadcast and thank you very much for your ears. Music